Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Thinking about where I am now, I would have like died to be in this position two years ago. So like looking back at where you've come, like, and you're like, wow, in the next two years, like, where could I even be? Like, I'm so grateful to be in this position. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the vice president of cloud and security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hello, hello. Today's personal spot. I am walking on Montana in Santa Monica, and I finally, finally, finally took some time to go to the beach and just nourish myself with the outside and the sun. And I think it's so important as entrepreneurs that we really do take that time off and decompress and be off of technology and social networks and not just inside of our brains doing the hustle grind stuff because we get lost. I think it opens up doors to creativity when we do take the space to rest and relax. And I know it's so hard to do as driven people, but it's essential for us to be the best leaders and professionals that we can be. So I know that I'm really grateful that I took today to enjoy actually living off of my phone. And I hope this kind of invites you to do the same from time to time. All right. Enjoy the next episode. Tech Podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest coming at us from Newport Beach, California. Welcome, Sirith. Hi. Am I getting your name right? Yes, you are. I love the energy. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you here. To kick things off, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. 
Sure. My name is Sirith. I was pre-pandemic based in San Francisco, currently back at my parents' house in Newport Beach. And I am an enterprise growth lead at Workplace from Facebook. It's a product that Facebook has. It's actually based in London, but I used to work at HQ in the Bay Area. Can you walk us through, like, how does Workplace help us? Like, what is Workplace and why should we care? (laughs) Of course. Oh, my God. My 30-second elevator pitch is coming in handy. So Workplace from Facebook is actually Facebook's own internal communications tool that they decided a couple of years ago that like, hey, like we love the way we communicate and collaborate and we want to externalize that so other companies can experience the same thing. So if you think about Facebook, you think about groups, messenger, live streams, all the things that really connect you with people What Workplace does is take that same connection, that ability to connect people, which is what Facebook is known for, and brings it into the workplace where you're connecting, but you're also collaborating and getting work done. You get really great visibility into what other groups are doing. Our CEO live streams every Thursday, so we get to see what are the top Q&As. You can like, comment, post, so many things that you do on your actual Facebook platform, but it's really, really secure. And all our companies that we work with, our customers, they own the data. So we are just a platform and we amplify their community culture to help them get work done. And what does your day-to-day look like? Day-to-day, I mean, it really does depend, but it basically is filled with like internal meetings, meetings with my client partners, my manager, North America's sales team, And then really a lot of it is reaching out to clients, current clients, potential clients through emails, calls, LinkedIn touches, and sort of talking about our product. I mean, I'm consumer facing all day, every day, talking about what Workplace from Facebook is, trying to see if it's a great fit for different companies, and then sort of passing on opportunities after I've done a little bit of the legwork to my client partner who then ends up closing out our deals. I'm curious because this is like... This is like a heavy role and a heavy position and in a huge company and you didn't start there. So when did you first become interested in technology and walk us through the journey, how you ended up where you are today, because you're living people's dream life, (laughs) like (laughs) to be like you. So where did it all begin? When did you first be like, I love tech? Yeah, I, it's so interesting. I don't think I fell in love with the idea of tech until like I was almost at the role. I went to USC undergrad at University of Southern California, and I really, really thought I was going to end up doing fashion. Like all my internships were in fashion PR and fashion marketing, which is a totally different world from tech. And I think what ended up happening is that when like push came to shove and we were, I was doing like senior recruiting, like there's all this pressure to like impress these recruits and apply and get a job and get full time after you graduate and like have something lined up. Like there's so much pressure looking back. I don't know why that even existed, but it was almost like my degree wasn't worth it until I had something lined up. So when I was honestly looking at starting salaries and I was thinking about like the types of companies where there's a high demand, I wasn't gravitating towards fashion and beauty, which is what I thought I wanted to do. I was gravitating towards tech companies, just the different recruiting sessions they had, the different people I talked to and the opportunities from there. Once you do like two years at a company, it's really easy to, depending on the company, sort of go wherever your heart desires and follow your passion. So I'm like, you know what? Like, let me try working in tech. And I think that was like a couple of years ago and I'm still working in tech. So it definitely can be a great stepping stone to whatever career you want, or you can stay at the company, switch up different roles. I love the 
the ability to switch up what you want to do, like the mobility in tech, I think is what really drew me to it. So a couple questions, one about the job description when you discovered it as you were job hunting, and then also about relocating from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Let's first get into the job description, being that you didn't start out in tech, you started out in, like you said, fashion and fashion marketing. What about the opportunity appealed to you when you read the job description? I had actually a couple of people who were older than me that said, work in tech, like try to find something in sales and marketing. If you like marketing and you like people, the starting salaries are like very enticing. And on top of that, like it's a growing industry. So for me, it was the ability to be client facing. Like I really like the idea of talking to people all day and also just the freedom to, to move around the company at a startup. You can literally become anything you want to, like you can create your dream role at a startup at a larger company. Like you can literally move from like product to product, which is inherently moving from like a company to company pretty easily. Just as far as the description, I think it was my mentors that guided me. Um, who were also in Marshall School of Business, just a couple of years older than me who had already graduated. And I think they saw this big potential in tag. They're like, I think you would be a really great fit for that. And then when I weighed opportunities and just experiences that I had, I felt like I wanted to do something in fashion and beauty, but maybe it wouldn't be my full-time job. So I didn't abandon that completely. And I feel like I've sort of come around to that in my other side passions. It was my mentors and sort of looking at it as more of like an opportunity for what could come rather than like an end destination. I think you're really brave to embark after doing, you know, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of women in tech around the world. And so I've heard a lot of women feel almost intimidating going into the tech space when they're not in the tech space. So for you to just take that leap to go into the tech world, into this role that was foreign to you at the time, did you feel intimidated? Did you ever experience imposter syndrome? Or was it like this heavy duty level of curiosity where you're like, let's go adventure time? Like, what were you going through when you made that decision? Yeah. Oh my God. I think it was a split 50-50. Like, I think I sort of moved back and forth between the two. Like I was really excited to like join a really corporate role because everything else I had done before has been more like unpaid internships and like a bit more like casual, like there's nothing really on the books that ever said I worked there kind of thing. Right. So having, you know, a job that's really corporate and just being in that environment, I was really excited. I think that tech is something that like, there's a lot of young people in like sales and marketing roles. And I love connecting with new people. So moving to SF, all that was really exciting. New city, new friends, new environment, living situation, all of that. I think where imposter syndrome came to play was actually learning about the products. Like, okay, like I need to be a master at these products to understand like, how I'm going to sell them, how I'm going to answer objections, handling questions, all of that. Like you want to be an expert in those things. And I think that when you're coming from something that you haven't had to like memorize those things before, understand, okay, like what is cloud? What are different databases? Like my ability to memorize really quickly, I think came into handy, but the understanding of it took a lot longer than I would have liked because it was something so new. So that was definitely my biggest, I guess, imposter syndrome aspect of it. If you have like a solutions architect that sits by your side, you're good. They usually handle everything. I feel like I'm more of like the people person, you know, getting to like dig into like, what are your pain points? And if there is synergy to continue like a partnership and a conversation, but I think just having an initial lack of knowledge in the product, it was definitely intimidating. 
I kind of want to ask you about your future mentorship, but first I still want to ask you about the geography part. So many things. First question is if you had to give advice, guidance to your former self, just starting out, like you're just applying, you're about to get the role. What guidance would you give her? I would say like impress, impress, impress for the first three months. I learned this later in like a different role, but in the beginning, like your first three months at a job actually forms people's opinion of you for a very long time after that. So I would say that like your first three months, like get there half an hour early, get breakfast with people, coffee with people. And I think part of the onboarding, which I guess we don't have right now, but part of the onboarding process I think is really special is like a lot of the big tech companies give you time to onboard because they want you to network and they understand that that's the real power of your role. So like getting coffee with people, joining different groups, you know, like different like meditation groups in the morning or like different interest groups, like, oh, we're all going to watch this specific movie because we're really interested in like old art and history and cinema, like finding these really specific like interest niche groups will get you to connect with people that aren't exactly on your team. And that is how you move around in a company. After three months, you don't want to bring yourself out. Like you can ease back a little bit and you will still have that impression because you were like that for Mm. your first three months. Seriously, you just gave me the bet. Am I still pronouncing your name right? Yeah, you're so paranoid about it. Here you go. Um, (laughs) You gave me the best idea. Not that it would apply to me now, but if I would have loved if someone told me way earlier in my career, write out how you'd like to show up in the workplace, like almost like journal form, diary form, a dreamscape. Mm And then what tweaks can you make in your life to show up that way into what you said for the first three months? When I've worked the different jobs that I've worked, the times that I haven't been a founder, company culture is tough. Employees Mm -hmm. and coworkers, there's a huge difference between the art of relationships with coworkers in like a corporate environment versus being the founder of a company and being that kind of team. And I didn't have any playbook and just calling myself out, I definitely did not do a great job. (laughs) Like, and I had the best intent, but yeah, I didn't do the things that you're saying. And I get, I'm like, whoa, wait, if I understood that I would have even, it's about building camaraderie more than exerting your skill set. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think so. I think that the misconception is that like your work will speak for itself. And I think you speak for yourself and the work backs you up. I think that's the distinction. You speak for yourself and the work backs you up. Yo. (laughs) It's such a great point. And I know you've had very minimal experience with like the traditional startups, but what would you say for people looking to make a decision between, do I want to take a job at the Facebooks of the world or do I want to take a job with maybe a venture back startup? What questions should you ask yourself to know what direction you want to go in. Yeah. I think it's so personal. It's whatever is important to you. Like a lot of people like having those big names on their resume. They like that. Like, Hey, if the economy goes bad, I most likely have job security. And, um, you know, my, I don't have to question, like, if we have a bad quarter, is my bonus going to be really poorly affected because like, you know, they give you a certain guarantee, At the same time, like you are probably not going to have those type of growth opportunities that you would at a startup. I think 
it depends what type of environment you're really comfortable in because at a startup, like if you're the one who wants to mold the environment around you and create that dream role for yourself, you can do it at a traditional tech giant, but you can properly do it at a startup. If you are someone who likes to absorb the community around you and sort of like integrate that way and just have a bit more stability or brand name, then maybe that corporate role is better for you. But I think what really it comes down to is like, I would pick a startup role if you want to create your dream role. Like if you don't find anything out there in the market that exists and that there's something very specific that you want to do, you can create your role. You can be wherever you want to be at a startup. So I think for me, it's more so like, am I shaping the environment around me or is it going to shape me? And I really like the stability and like guarantees of a larger company. Like that definitely draws me. And I'm probably not like the more like adventurous, like risk-taking, I think, personality. I think that's sort of something that you you need to, to work in a startup to sort of balance out the fact that it might not always be the most like stable approach. And let me know if you think I'm being naive, but this life can be filled with many adventures. So you could go on a multi-year adventure working the corporate tech giant life and then decide, okay, now I want to go on a multi-year adventure experiencing the venture-backed startup. Or or is there something I don't know about, for lack of a better term, the corporate ladder, that that would be a bad idea? No, I think you're absolutely right. I really feel like the experience is what you make it. I think it's more so like you can have like adventures at both and you can make great, meaningful connections, experiences, and like things to write on your resume for both. But I think it's more so like how the day-to-day environment impacts you. So like, if you really feel like you are the one to affect the environment around you and you are the one who wants to shape that, then I think the startup life is for you. But if you're the one who wants to absorb that day-to-day environment and like that, that company culture, and you want more stability, then I think being in a bigger corporate job works well. But I think that idea of like having these experiences and these connections and these adventures absolutely can happen in both. So I'm going to ask you a bit of a personal question, but I think you'll be totally fine with it. In the corporate environment, there are so many personality types. You're dealing with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably highly likely that you're not going to get along with absolutely everyone, but it's important to have a comfortable work environment. What Mm -hmm. would you suggest we can do to make sure we create the most level of, I don't know the right word, level of tranquility for everybody? How can we show up when we have someone that's maybe a different personality type than us, or we don't feel as comfortable with, what suggestions do you have for us to be our best selves? I really feel like as a Libra, like I love everyone to like get along. And like, I'm very much about like balance and equality and making people feel comfortable. Like that's something that like, I really enjoy. So for me, like a great workplace is like a peaceful workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and there of course Amen. are, yeah. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> yeah. And no matter what job you have, there's always going to be different personalities and different ways of doing it. I really think it is about communicating your expectations. So like when you don't know what the expectations are, you don't know how to meet them or how to augment your your ability or your communication style so that even like people who are on the same team might not be above or below understand what your expectations can be from them and vice versa. So communicating like crazy, managing expectations. I love my team, to be honest. Like I I haven't had like those types of experiences really, but I think in life in general, like 
having that distinction between like, okay, this person is a family member or this person is a coworker, like maybe not calling everyone your friend and not thinking Mm. that everyone is your friend. I think it's really important. You're like, okay, like this is a working relationship. I want to like bond with this person, but like at the end of the day, they're my coworker and we're working towards achieving the same goal. If that's your driving force behind the relationship and you really work to communicate your expectations, then I feel like you can work with almost any type of personality as long as there's like that mutual respect, of course. Do you happen to have a book you recommend in order to learn how to be the best teammate possible to others? Oh my gosh. I really don't have like a specific book that I would recommend. I think for me, like being the best teammate that I can be comes from leading from a place of empathy. I think everyone wants to kill it at their role. Everyone wants to do a good job. And I think that when you lead with empathy and you can see things from other people's perspectives, I think that's what makes you the best coworker. So for me, I think being like a really strong feminist and trying to really like educate myself on like a lot of the issues that are going on in the world when it comes to like different minorities, I think just being really self-aware and knowing like the different, you know, maybe even privileges that I have that maybe another coworker doesn't, I think just reading the news a lot. Like I read a lot of news and I also just follow a lot of Instagram accounts that are like talking about different things in the world that are going on. Whenever you lead from empathy and you're able to educate yourself on things that you might not be aware of, I think that makes you a really good person to be around. And then in turn, a really great coworker to be around. I agree. You know, there is one more question I'd like to ask. It's something I ask our guests from time to time is what are some examples of something that we could do to elevate the women around us. You know, there's this stigma that women run over other women. I don't think that needs to be the case. And I I know the amazing women we've had on the Women in Tech podcast, they're all about championing women all around us. So what do you recommend? What are some choices that you've seen even yourself make to elevate others or maybe to take the pressure off of you? How have others elevated you so you could acknowledge them with gratitude and that opportunity and teach all of us how we could do the same? Yeah, absolutely. I love that question. I think this myth that like there can only be one or that we sort of have to like climb our way is sort of perpetuated by the patriarchy to make us feel like there aren't enough seats at the table when now we're creating our own tables. I think how to advocate for other women is even for the men listening to this podcast is make sure your female coworkers are being paid the same amount as you. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Make sure they're being paid the same amount. And if you're not sure how to approach that conversation, or if someone approaches you, you can always use the under over, like, are you making over this amount or under this amount? So I know a lot of people don't feel comfortable giving exact numbers. So I think that really helps um, break the stigma for that conversation. Advocate for women in leadership roles be very, very mindful of the language that you use to describe women leaders. Something that a man does that might be a boss move for a woman, it might be something very cold or very calculated. So the different language that you use internally and to your coworkers about women in leadership can be so, so telling of this myth that that perpetuates that you know women who are amazing leaders have something about them that isn't inherently feminine, where that's not true. You can be hyper-feminine, you can be cold or warm or soft or hard, and there's no right way to be a woman in leadership as long as there is that respect and admiration there. So be really mindful of that. And then when someone on your team, whether they're above you, below you, or the same level as you, when they do really good work, like shout it out, like in whatever email blast you use, whatever your internal communication tools are, like make sure you're advocating for their work and being like, wow, like so-and-so did a really great job talking to this client. You know, they closed this deal 
They came up with this solution that I hadn't even thought of. I think when it comes from women by women, it's so powerful because we're just lifting each other up and we're creating space for ourselves where maybe it's not even given to begin with. We're creating our own spaces and advocating for each other. And then from there, it sort of sets them up for like leadership positions and stuff when people realize like, oh, like so-and-so is really killing it at their job and they have all these different testimonials to back it up. I've been seeing their name pop up everywhere. So do that for your coworkers, advocate for leadership roles, and just be really mindful of that language that you use for your women in leadership. I love that guidance. And I love that you also brought up how men can champion women because I think that's an essential part of the recipe. And sometimes it's not so obvious that that's so essential. So a very light question, the geography, you're from LA. So for those of you, I know we're a global show. So those of you listening in Kazakhstan and Bosnia and Malaysia, you're probably like, I don't know the difference between San Francisco and LA. (laughs) They're not the same. The cultures are entirely different. What was it like going from beach town, LA and Newport beach to like this gritty tech billboard filled city (laughs) of San Francisco? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. It was not what I was expecting at all. Like, I think I had visited one time for me. I mean, like literally the first time I went to Dolores park, which is like this park that people just like hang out at. Like I wore pencil heels. Like I had no idea (laughs) that like people dressed down. I mean, I was coming from USC. So we were like in Hollywood all the time and like downtown LA and like running around the whole area. So like we were always dressed up and we always had like our, our lashes on and everything like that. So coming to the Bay Area, I like unintentionally slowly assimilated to like the Patagonia jacket and the sneakers and the jeans. And then after like a year, I was like, oh my God, like I used to want to work in fashion and beauty, like, and I still love it. And I dress up on the weekends, but like, we need to step it up. We need to like dress up, you know, nicer in the daytime and like put a little more effort in. So the culture shock was definitely something really wild to get used to. I mean, just like the whole campuses, like it feels a little while ago now, but just being on those campuses, it's it's almost like an adult college experience Mm -hmm. where you're, you're getting to, instead of going to class, you just do your work or like your homework, like at work. And then after that, there's so many clubs, activities, team events, concerts, like all of these things that you go to, like with your team or like your cohort. So I think for me, like It was almost like a continuation of university because these are like huge, huge companies that almost work in the same way. And then there's also this culture shock of like the fashion and beauty. And also I think the amount of, you know, diversity is really, really amazing in SF too. LA of course is super diverse, but I think SF just takes it to like a whole nother level. That was amazing to experience as well. I didn't think about that. I remember the first time I went to Google and Google is like multi-city blocks and mm-hmm. like, what is this? That's a huge quote unquote perk on a smaller venture back startup versus like a Goliath. I don't think you're going to have concerts at the the newly raised money startup. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're hiring any artists to talk at their annual meetings and stuff. <laughs> So much fun. So what is one huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? I think that like the biggest obstacle for me in working in tech has been the fact that I don't feel very tech savvy. 
And I usually like don't admit that because I work in tech and I want to feel like I am innately good at everything tech related. And even like my friends will ask me like tech questions who maybe don't know me as well. And I'm like, Ooh, like I know I work in tech, but you know, like I can't fix your computer or like your TV or you like learn how to like use your DSLR camera. So I think for me, the biggest challenge was like the content of what I was learning. Like I don't think I could have told you like what cloud was, you know, before I started working in tech or like why certain companies, you know, prefer, I don't know, like to invest in like AI and like what the different reasons for that could be. Or like for my current role now, like different communications tools that exist, why they exist, what annual like goals people have in different departments. I think there was this really big learning curve in learning the actual bulk of information of like feeling confident enough to then go in to talk to a client about like, okay, I know my product. I'm not very tech savvy. It does not make sense to me the first time. So I have to go back and read things multiple times to sort of feel like I understand things. I feel like I've been able to like fake it till I make it, but just having that confidence of like, okay, I understand my product really well. That's probably been the biggest challenge for me. And then I think the way I've overcome that is literally just going on like enough client calls to practice, if that makes sense. Like the more you do something, the more different questions that are thrown at your way, the more you know how to answer that going forward. So I feel like I can answer like questions about security, about AI, so many things that I have no idea about earlier. I think it's important at any stage to remember, I love what you were saying about practice, because especially when you are more seasoned and you start something new, you feel like you should just know it immediately because you're Mm -hmm. like, I'm smart. Why don't I know this? And then it's this like frustrating experience. And I think all of us at every stage reminding ourselves the way we become experts, the way we become comfortable is just by practicing and being uncomfortable in the beginning and doing the work to get to a place where we feel tranquil about our relationship with that project or activity. Absolutely. So I interviewed this incredible high-level executive once, and she said something that I found fascinating. She said, I don't understand why everybody wants the all-star mentors, like people at the very, very top. She's like, like me. I'm like, what do you mean? Why would you think people wouldn't want your mentorship? She's like, because I'm so far ahead that it's not relatable. She's like, what I recommend for if you're seeking mentorship is to seek mentorship from someone one level or two levels ahead of you so that it's more relatable. They've experienced what you're experiencing sooner and that kind of thing. I'm curious if you could have any kind of mentorship opportunity right now for someone who's ahead of you. So like someone you could select, or even if it's the environment of mentorship, it doesn't have to be a specific person. Mm-hmm. What kind of mentorship would you be like, oh, would it be amazing if I could have someone just infuse me with knowledge about this particular thing? Maybe it's a management thing. Maybe it's a communication thing. Maybe it's a, a tech thing, any aspect. What is that thing that you would love to next in your expertise to get better at? Oh my gosh. So many things. I love what you just said about like having someone or what that woman said about having someone like one step ahead of you. I think that's so, so important because when someone is so far removed from your role, it's like there's 50 steps to get there. And like when someone's your mentor, like they'll help you with like one step, another step, you know, they're really like guiding you through it, but like you have to put in the work to get there. So guiding someone through 50 steps versus guiding someone through like one or two is like a completely different game. So I love that. 
For me, like I think what makes a really great mentor is someone who has been in my role before. I personally love having mentors who are women of color, especially my mentor at my current role is a woman of color. And I feel like she really like we have the same, you know, opportunities, the same challenges, a lot of the same goals. She's on like uh, the same team as me, but like one level higher. So I love that like she can see almost like herself and me. And I think that's really important. If I could have like any sort of like perfect mentor or that, that one thing that I would love to be injected with, I think for me, it is just like understanding a bit more about like product marketing, which is like not something that I'm doing right now at all. Like I'm more like a sales marketing, like collaborative type of role, but I would love to learn like ins and outs of like product marketing when like Instagram comes out with like a new feature, like how they're marketing that, why they're marketing it that way, what their different content plans are for like Black History Month or like International Women's Day comes after that. And then there's April and spring after that, like just understanding like the ins and outs of like a product and how to be a product marketer. I see so many roles open at Facebook and Instagram about like product marketing. And I'm like, wow, like that sounds so cool, but I know nothing. I know nothing about that. I know I'm not a good fit for that role, but I always read them. And I'm like, wow, like that looks incredible. Like to take a product from inception to consumer and see what that plan looks like, I think just is like almost like giving like a whole like life cycle to like a baby. So that made no sense. Like a whole life cycle (laughs) of a product from infancy to like a full blown, like adult product that's like in the hands of people. And it's actually like something very tangible. And in tech, I feel like we don't work with a lot of tangibles. So for me, I think that that would be something really, really cool and exciting to learn. Yeah. I think that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Okay. Three last questions. Okay. One is one of my favorite questions is if you had any ask of the community, we have people from around the world listening. It cannot be something to help them. It has to be something selfishly to help only you because I can't tell you how many times it's like, I just want you to like make time for yourself. I'm like, no, it's about (laughs) you. So what would your ask be that would solely help you? I mean, does it have to be tech related? No, it doesn't. It could be anything. Okay. Well, um, you can check out my Instagram. <laughs> Go for it. It's, Go, uh, yeah. it's my first name, last name, underscore. Um, I, I blog about all things fashion, feminism, beauty. A lot of the, the things that I do talk about are related in, in feminism. It's about pushing women in leadership roles. It's about being there for other minorities and just being an advocate. So I do a lot of like advocacy work and it's also like, you know, skincare, fashion, beauty. So follow me on there. And I think that's pretty much where you can find everything else sort of related to my journey. So there's my selfish plug, but I I like it. (laughs) I like it. Can you spell your handle for everybody? Sure. It is S-E-E-R-A-T. And then my last name is Sani, S-A-I-N-I underscore. I'm sure my name will be somewhere in this, in this podcast too. So you can just type that into Instagram and boom, there you go. Yeah. We're a hundred percent going to include it in the show notes. So I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm always surprised about what I hear. Have you been on a podcast before? Yes, I have. Okay, cool. Was it just one or has it been multiple? Oh my gosh. Am I going to get in trouble in my life? I I can remember one for sure. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say one. I think it's one. So, so my intent in asking is, so I ask everybody this, it's because I find it surprising how many of our guests, this is their first show. And so my mm-hmm. hope is that companies and podcasters around the world are listening to the show and will poach all my guests. So we'll <laughs> continue to be celebrated more and more and more and more. <laughs> That's amazing. So cool. 
Last question is, well, it's kind of a double question. What book would you suggest everybody read? Like, do you have a favorite book? It is by Roxane Gay. It's called uh, Bad Feminist. It's a collection of essays. She's like an ex-lit teacher. I, she's queer. She's black. Uh, she's a female. I really, really love her book, mainly because it's about not being perfect at everything, but, but just being like the best feminist that you can. So if you're advocating for, for women's rights, and then you're like singing songs and in, in lyrics that might not be the most uplifting for women, like there, there's a balance and that you're human. It's a really funny collection of essays. She's incredibly relatable. And I, I really, really like that book. I love it. And okay, this is totally selfish question. I love productivity tools. What is your favorite tool, software, mobile app? Could be anything. What is your fave? Oh my God. I'm going to go old school and say paper and pen. Nice. I know that's going to sound insane. <laughs> no, I got it. Look, I got it next to my desk. Yeah, there you go. You have to write things down. Something I've been doing at the start of 2021 is to write things down and then say them. It's like a really old ancient manifestation technique to say them and write them in the present as if they're already happening. So if you write them in present progressive that it's happening and then you start to say it out loud, it's going to sound so wild, but you start to say it out loud in the present progressive and you you can like put music on if you have like neighbors and stuff, then it almost becomes like a shout. Like you start saying it louder and louder until you're like shouting it and almost like commanding the universe. Of course, with manifestation, you don't just yell things and things happen. You put in the work, yeah. put in the time. But if you need the universe to sort of bend to your favor a little bit, that pen and paper writing in the present tense, and then progressively saying it out loud every night until you're shouting it. I really think that does shift the access of the universe a little bit in your favor. Love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. You have been truly incredible. I know before we started rolling, I shared with you how important it is to me to show all our listeners what's possible for us. So on those days, because being that you're a feminist and you do so much great work to champion others, on those days where you feel constricted, like maybe there's not a lot of options for me, how can you shift your mindset to not let that get in your way from the success and achievements that, you know, all of us incredible women deserve to gain. Does that make sense? Kind of. Do you mean like imposter syndrome or do you mean like- Not even just imposter syndrome. If we get caught up thinking about limitations, mm. like how do we get ourselves out of a self-limiting mindset? Not even self-limiting. I mean, that's a whole nother story, but even just limiting, like the limits that- people have in the world. How do we get out of that and move into like an abundance mindset where like, here's what I'm going to accomplish despite that. Here's how I'm going to become a leading executive despite that. Here's how I'm going to become a great venture capitalist despite that. Here's how I'm going to become a founder despite that. How do we get to that headspace where we believe it's possible? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think for me, leading the day with gratitude, I think can help change that mindset just a little bit. I mean, like, wow, like, thinking about where I am now, I would have like died to be in this position two years ago. So like looking back at where you've come, like, and you're like, wow, in the next two years, like, where could I even be? Like, I'm so grateful to be in this position. I think that really can help your mentality. Also uplifting other women who used to be in a position that you were in, I think does so much for yourself. Cause you're like, I'm championing other women in their roles 
helping them get promotions and letting their light shine. I think that really internally, like chemically changes you to be like, wow, like I am going to be that shining example for like someone else in another two years of where I could be. So I think uplifting other women all around you, shifting to a gratitude mindset. And then also knowing that like, if you put in the work, like it will come back to you. Like the universe has a way of balancing everything out into this like perfect Libra, like equilibrium (laughs) um, that does end up sort of tipping in your favor if you put the work in. So I think for me, it also, it's just so funny, like even just looking on LinkedIn and being like, what is my dream role? And look up your dream roles on LinkedIn and look at how they got there. Like everyone has a story. Everyone was no one. Everyone had a first day at a first job. The CEO of the largest company in the world one had one day where they were like, today's my first day of working experience in my whole life. And now look where they are. So following that ladder, that story on, on LinkedIn of like, okay, this is where they were before that. This is where they were before that. It doesn't tell the whole story, but it gives you an idea. And I, sometimes I find that incredibly motivating to see that everyone who is an expert, who's the top of their game was someone who knew nothing, you know, X amount of years ago. And I think just seeing people in those types of positions with those dream roles, work backwards. And that can almost motivate you and give you ideas like, okay, like this is how maybe I can augment my career to get, put myself in a really great position to then have that dream role. So just looking at those stories and uplifting other women, I think really puts you in a great, great mindset to be able to tell yourself that you absolutely can do it. And the universe will reward that hard work. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. This was amazing. Hey, my name is Sirith. I work at Workplace from Facebook. I'm an enterprise growth lead. We are an internal communications tool. I'm based in Newport Beach, California, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.